All right, so let's get a little light on the subject. Cameron, <laughs> how you been, man? This is our first time in person in, like, a long time. I It is weird not having the artifice of um, a, a screen between us. Right, right. So um, the planets kind of aligned to where we couldn't record last week, but then we could record in person this week. And we're kind of at a loss because... Magic-wise, we're in a very strange holding pattern, right? Um, Lord of the Rings set has been released. It's a massive commercial success, I think it's fair to say. Boxes are selling like crazy. Everybody's doing the golden ticket thing with the one ring. Um, But I I think personally, it's not really hit me. Um, I haven't jumped on Arena to actually even do a draft. I have really struggled with enjoyment of the set. Um, tell me about you. Like, where are you at with this set? And where are we feeling like Magic is with this summer? Because it's a very strange, again, no standard release this summer. Mm-hmm. Standard's been kind of artificially elongated. I, I, I guess I'm trying to sort out my feelings with where we're at competitively. Because there's some good news here, too. But sure. let's just start with the negative. Well, I mean... It, I think it was like two weeks ago I had drafted in person or sealed excuse me in person and it was fun I had a good time I really liked all the cards I've drafted twice on arena and then it's just been a nosedive as far as like my kind of interest in the set not anything to do with the set but everything to do with the fact that I don't know what I'm doing with these cards like it's fun and it's cool and it's different but this is the weirdest thing to be putting time and effort, money into a set and to not have like the immediate standard in front of me to put these cards into, you know? So it's such a strange thing. And I, once again, I'm just flabbergasted that we, here we are, no no standard with, with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and I understand why potentially like Watsi wanted to do it this way, but it feels now that we're have stumbled upon what would have been the answer for standard with the commercial success of this and playing with the one ring in standard, I think would have been really interesting. It might've been busted. There's a lot of talk that the one ring is busted in modern and will actually cause some number of problems, but it's kind of funny that flavor wise that works. Uh, (laughs) uh, But you know, I, I think there's good news here about competitive magic. Like, the limited uh, big event that we talked about in Grand Prix Las Vegas has sold out. Mm-hmm. They're adding a giant limited Grand Prix in Europe now. Um, or I should say, attached to a Magic Fest. So I, there's these, like, hope, like, kind of hope flowering for what is going to be competitive magic going forward. And if competitive magic going forward is non-rotating formats and limited... I don't love that, but it's better than it just being non-rotating formats. I've always contended that non-rotating formats are a, you know, a good thing to have to spice things up or to be good at a local level for players that don't want to constantly be buying in. But really, having standard not be the main focal point for which competitive magic functions has been a massive negative for my intrigue with new sets for my desire to go to the shop and compete. Um, And I'm really hoping that we get that fixed over time. But, like, it wouldn't break my heart, Cameron, if they just said next week, hey, guys, change your plans. 
Middle Earth is standard legal. I think that would be <laughs> a okay. I, I don't know. I mean, like, like it would probably throw a huge wrench into standard, but I kind of welcome that. Like, I mean, the bands just while I welcome those as well, I just don't feel like it's going to be enough here yeah. as far as like kind of keeping standard fresh the way that it ought to be in the summer. Yeah, and I really don't know that the fallout matters that much. I really don't know that there's a ton of standard players. Standard paper players, by the way. Because Arena, it's not going to matter. And almost everybody that's a serious competitive standard player probably has drafted Middle Earth like crazy on... Uh, I keep saying Middle Earth because I think of the old card game. Uh, they, they probably drafted Lord of the Rings a ton, have a ton of wild cards. It's really trivial for them to get into the cards that they would need. Yeah. And again... Even if it completely breaks standard, and there's... I keep using the one ring, but there might be some other card that breaks standard. I still think it would be worth it for what it does to juice the the, the attendance of standard. Yeah, which, yeah. I would actually just love... Uh, I'm sure there's a grassroots person out there who has, like, put these Middle Earth cards into a standard deck. What does Black Red look like with the one ring or whatever, right? Like, I'd be kind of curious to see that. Yeah, so, anyway, I think for both you and I, it's curtailed our interest, but I do always want to, like, separate out, like, our interest versus the commercial success of a product. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like there was a chance to hitch the commercial success of Middle Earth to standard and really kind of benefit. And that's slowly passing us by and making people like me and you kind of go, should I be playing this summer mm-hmm. at all? Yeah. It's just one, it's again, like, I, I Watsy just has the uncanny ability to just kind of tick off its core fan base somehow. Mm-hmm. They do one step forward with Middle Earth and two steps back with, like, no new standard, and uh, let's just throw in some alchemy cards while we're at it. You know I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah. And... Uh, and maybe maybe next summer I'll feel more prepared to play a few RCQs. Uh, a buddy of mine invited me to several, uh, sent me a link and all this stuff. And I just, even locally playing Pioneer, I'm not like super intrigued. And I, and I am much hotter on Pioneer than I am Modern. Like there is no way that I would ever be interested in playing competitive Modern at an RCQ level. Whereas Pioneer, at least I would pro- I'd probably play creative creativity in both formats, to be frank with you. But like, I just, I, I would prefer the test and tune of a limited RCQ yeah. um, because I feel like it would kind of better, I would better utilize my skill set. Um, so let's let's kind of cover the elephant in the room, Cameron, because I think that's mm-hmm. the other thing. And I apologize if you're like really hoping for magic content today because today was your first in-person uh, experience. Like you never even had held a flesh and blood Nothing, card. yeah, yeah. And... Flesh and Blood's got a big summer set coming out uh, in, I think, pre-releases are next weekend. Uh, it's called From Dust Till Dawn. And so we just demoed a bunch of decks. Uh, we had you playing, for those of you who know Fab, Cameron played Dash the whole time. And we played, I played Bravo, Chain, Icelander. I feel like that was it. Yeah. And yeah. Um, positive negatives. Yeah. Kind of give me your experience, what you thought of the, the game. Uh, so overall, very impressed with this set. I, uh, <laughs> as we were playing it, and about like the third game in, where things really started to kind of lock in for me, 
I just had this like, oh no, <laughs> I'm gonna be buying this deck. I'm gonna be buying some more cards here. Come this summer and maybe just have this set around and try to get into a scene in Des Moines because I know there is a scene in Des Moines and mm. there's very passionate fan base there um, so like there's this like thing like oh do I want another thing so that's both like this positive and negative mm-hmm. right and it's nothing to do it's just like sometimes it's just like brain energy and mental energy time like, yeah, it's time time right when I want to focus it's going to be on something like magic working towards a tournament or anything if that stuff were to happen you know I mean the podcast is really the main avenue for the main focus for for magic right now mm-hmm. so having something else both positive and and negative this set or I should say this game the major positive the major thing that it has going for it is it seems to solve so many issues that have plagued a the magic history of the game as far as like mana like mm-hmm. sometimes you just get mana screwed or mana hosed right uh sometimes you just have no cards in hand and you just keep on having to discard and you're just not doing anything as your opponent steamrolls you um sometimes there's just like turns like multiple turns where nothing is happening right mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of great things about about magic but there are like you know those like little nags that have always bugged me about the game you know but i've been able to kind of ignore flesh and blood i can't believe how well it addresses so many of those like just legacy issues that we have had with with magic uh it's incredible like i I can't get over like how well it's kind of solved some of those design issues um and then i think my other just uh positive is there's just always something going on each turn like i just love that like no matter what the cards the mana the resources everything is just so perfectly intertwined Mm -hmm. and that's just super interesting to me that i was not expecting to get like that layer of of, like that you could get like that layer of sophistication out of something that isn't magic Mm -hmm. that was really impressive to me yeah i would also say like it gets to a degree where each hero feels like a different block does in magic yeah because it has kind of its own set of mechanics and all this right and they feel very like the way in legacy that you could become a specialist Mm. and i know people feel that way about modern too i don't necessarily because in legacy you know whenever you were the combo elves guy right or the doomsday guy the layers to that were so much for the like i love playing storm and modern there's not as many paths as there is in Doomsday and Legacy, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that is the thing with this is you. we even talked about it with Dash. Like, you can become a Dash guy and there are like four or five different iterations of that deck that you can kind of build yourself into. So even though it's a single hero, it is not a singular build of that hero. And I think that's really intriguing. There's there's a lot more like depth that we didn't get to cover. Like for example, the first time we played, we said, okay, no hero abilities because that's just so much to absorb in one go. Sure. And let's just do attacks. And then then we layered in defense reactions and all these other things. Um, there are some amazing digital tools um, for Flesh and Blood as well. Uh, but I just got to be honest with you, man. Like the thing that I love about it is it is very much a. Um, 
very solid old school card game experience. There's yeah. not a desire for you to log into a digital client. There is not a desire for you to get 17 variants of the same card, right? Like it is exceptionally simple to acquire, yeah. right? But like the depth is in the actual gameplay, not in the acquisition. Yeah. And that's really something that I'm missing in Magic. Yeah, yeah. I I will echo everything that you're just saying. It, it's so interesting to me that you have like this game that seems like it's and I know I know magic at the end of it, it's still a game but it feels like especially for the last four years we've been sold this product where you're to your point where it's about acquiring the stuff mm-hmm. rather than get the stuff for the game like like it seems like this thing just it, it feels like I'm I don't know like it, it feels kind of like magic from 15 years ago when I very first started to play with you there, there's some just simple beauty to just that mm-hmm. that um was uh very intriguing too yeah, yeah yeah and and the sets still have kind of their own personality I'm not being asked to like I, a card doesn't get played and I go because you know sure there's some alternate arts here or there but there's not seven different versions and different borders and different like there's a lot of those things that are just really refreshing i would say the community is also just completely unreal like to the point where it almost sells the game within of itself and you'll see that if you ever engage with the community um like to the like the level of like what destiny is in the video game space of like the community is one of the big drawing aspects for it um i would say so some negatives to like think about down the line is the skill um, versus variance piece is in a different place than magic. So the better player tends to win 80, 90% of the time versus probably 60, 70% of the time in magic, Mm kind of depending on how you want to look at things. So there's that piece of it, right? I would also say like Legacy, the game can be extraordinarily punishing if you miss sequence and you probably noticed that. Yeah. Um, I messed up like a sequence at the end and I was one off and then that cost me the game. Yeah. Uh, so th- there is that element to it too of like they really think that you speak the language oh. of card games, that you are an invested card game player. Um, but what's interesting is like to me it always reads like magic, magic, magic. But almost everybody that's in my community came from the Pokemon community or the Yu-Gi-Oh community and then got into Flesh and Blood. So like mm. there's discontent in different pockets of the card game space that end up in this world, right? Um, and it's kind of funny because the Pokemon guys always complain about how expensive Flesh and Blood is. Sure. And as a Magic player, I'm like, this is so inexpensive. <laughs> right? Um, so I would also say that for a upstart independent card game, the artwork is very strong. It's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, any other outside of the time stuff, like where some design concerns are like, uh, you know, or is this, it too early? <laughs> it might be too early for that. The thing I just want to also just mention is like, I feel like for a hundred dollars or whatever it is for like some of these decks I'm getting and maybe it's just because I'm so new to it but it seems like I'm getting a legacy level of interaction mm-hmm. that um, honestly I just feel like I haven't been getting with like even something like Pioneer it's there but like I feel like I have to invest 
a lot of money in order to get those very specific cards. Whereas, like, I know there's a lot of upfront costs, but it just felt like I, I can really start out mm-hmm. because it maybe it is such a young game. I can s- get into this and have like three very playable, probably tournament playable decks. Um, in I don't know. It just it felt like I, I I felt like I could just get into this easier than I could the the two year legacy experience that I had trying to get all the cards that I want to have an optimized deck. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the so first of all, the budget level can be extraordinarily friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, there are just these one offs that are very expensive, and I was like talking to you through them. You saw one of them in action, and you saw why it was an expensive card. Um, but almost all these heroes can have a version of their deck built for fifty bucks. Right, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of go, okay, this is the hero for me. Obviously, I kind of cast a wider net than that, and I went a little bit harder than that. <laughs> um, but honestly, you could just go, yeah, I, I feel like uh, you know, ninja is the class for me, and then just dive into that. But dash, the expensive version of dash is probably two, three hundred dollars, but the cheap version is probably forty. Mm-hmm. Right, and in my experience. Literally everybody that's a flesh and blood diehard has a ton of extra commons, uncommons, rares that they are happy to unload or sell for half TCG mm. because a lot of times it's so much work for them to resell. Most magic shops don't buy individual singles. Um, so most of the really hyper invested flesh and blood players have a TCG store or an eBay store. Okay. And they try and make their money back that way. Well, if you just Joe Schmoes show up and say, hey, I'm looking for this. Oh, hey, sure, I'll get you that, and I'll get it to you for 20% under TCG, right? So you can do that, but the and that's like the high, high-end expensive cards. Anything that's sub $5 has been given to me, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I feel awkward and weird about it because I'm <laughs> like, I, I, I can buy boxes. It's no big deal. They're like, no, please take this. Yeah. Because to them, it's so valuable to get somebody else in this community. Um, and again, Shades of Legacy, right? Where you used to show up and someone oh, yeah. would be like, oh, you want to play Rug Del- Delver? Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, in closing, I, I just... And I haven't been able, because of work, really, and, you know, uh, my selfish daughter wanting me to take her to school and <laughs> her sporting events, uh, I haven't been able to go out and play Flesh and Blood for about six months. Um but really, once work calms down for me, I'm going to be... I'm, I'm hoping to play the pre-release next weekend and, and say hi to everybody. But it has been what Magic used to be for me. Yeah. And in some ways, that does it disservice because <laughs> there, it's its own game. Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't play like Magic, but it, just in terms of the feel of the community, it feels like Magic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So... Um, I could go on and on about it, but I, I'm glad that you liked Good it. first experience, I'd say. Like, it, I mean, it, it very much is like, like I said, I'm probably this month we'll be kind of going to the shops, figuring stuff out, maybe just trying to go to a night and show up and just see see how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, Cameron, uh, I have to ask, uh, because now we can kind of talk about our extra things. Yes. We can talk about extra things. Um, what have you been watching slash playing? Uh, yeah, you know, so it was weird. I had, I, this was like a kind of a down week for me. So 
watched Asteroid City, oh, the yeah. new movie with Wes Anderson. Very quirky, very Wes Anderson. I enjoyed it. Uh, picked up Returnal on the PC and have been diving into that every single night. I am awful at the game. I've been watching a lot of tutorials, just trying to sink my teeth into understanding the mechanics of that. But you gotta get very good at dodging. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting like the um, the hell shooter or whatever it's called. The um, bullet hell. Bullet hell. There we go. That's what it's called. Uh, and uh, that's been kind of just fun. And it's like bullet hell meets spelunky and yeah. <laughs> in a three D environment. With a little Metroid, you yeah. know, like it, it really has a lot going for it that I, I've been latching on to. So that's been a big A plus. And then I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but we're four or five episodes into The Bear. And we're slowly doing a drip feed of it. It sounds like I should not be doing that, though. No, I, I, I have such an emotional connection to this show at this stage. I cannot talk to you about it right now. <laughs> okay. I, I can't. Yeah. Like, we got to finish it. The audience needs to finish it, and then we can talk about it next week. All right. So, let's just say there's a lot of meat on that bone. Okay? Good. Uh, but from a filmmaking perspective, I think we can talk about it from that. Like, it's nice to have a show. Because Succession, I think, is made very well but on a classical kind of like there's not a lot of um, interesting uh, interesting is the wrong word it is like textbook this is how you're going to shoot everything is framed in a way that you would expect there's a lot of money on the screen Mm -hmm. so they do it very well it's very well composed but I don't feel like they're doing a lot interesting the whole idea with Succession is to not stand out Mm -hmm. right there is a big confrontation that closes out succession that I think is very shocking, and it's not shot in a way that is that mind blowing. Yeah. Right? It's very much like it's almost like a black box theater. We're just going to let these incredible performers and this yeah. incredible writing speak for itself, and there's nothing wrong with that. The Bear, I think, is a, a good case study in yes, we've got some well written scenes, yes, we've got amazing actors, but we can actually even supplement it with the way we edit. Mm-hmm. And shoot this show. The film language, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is so incredibly strong that it's like fine. Like I haven't felt this way. About, this is such a weird comp, but I felt that way about Battlestar Galactica at times too. Now Battlestar Galactica was doing the cinema verte, like hey, quick movements of the camera over to the the guy talking over here, and like that was very of its time. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like the filmmaking augmented a lot of what was going on in that show. Uh, even though dated, as I'm sure it looks now. Um, like those space battles, even, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the bear does that, too. Okay. Um, but yes, the, there's particular scripted moments that were very awesome for me. So I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Final Fantasy sixteen. Please do. Should I buy it when it comes out eventually on PC? Well, okay, so interesting. So Returnal... So the reason I put Returnal down, did I tell you this? You couldn't save mid-run oh, in the original version. That's so the, the So the runs would be like two hours or something. Yeah. And the only way that you could quote-unquote save it is you could put the PS5 into rest mode. But if an update happened or you lost power or, you know, pick your thing or you accidentally yeah. push yeah. turn off, you would lose your run. No. 
So they apparently patched that at some point, and I keep meaning to go back and buy it so I could actually play it. But when I found that out, I was like, oh, I was enjoying the game. I was like, this is crazy. There's yeah. no way I can do no, this. No, I can't invest two hours and <laughs> yeah. not like, have anything. Sh- yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, and I remember them announcing that and me going, okay, I'll set you aside and come back. Um, but Final Fantasy 16 is really intriguing in that, so clearly very uh, inspired by Game of Thrones. Uh, very, very... People die all the time, man. Isn't this harsh? Isn't this so medieval? Look, people betray you and stuff. And, like, every... I think people that maybe don't read fantasy novels are maybe oblivious to how encroaching Game of Thrones influence has been on all this stuff. And so... It's kind of like zombie, like every, like it feels like every fantasy novel now does POV chapters, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, character deaths or oh man, like like trying to be grim, dark, or more true to the medieval setting or whatever. And there are have been some good ones that have stepped outside of that, but um, I'm not, I wasn't as surprised as some people. But I think if you are unaware of how, what's going on in fantasy fiction and you just watch Game of Thrones, the TV show, and then you just watch fi- play Final Fantasy, you're like. Man, they're riffing on Game of Thrones. Everything's been riffing on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I like about it is there's a lot of shades of Final Fantasy IV in this. And that it's a very self-serious, in some ways good, some ways bad, but very self-serious uh, story of redemption about, uh, about a main character, right? And before Final Fantasy became very, very anime, when it was more of the 16-bit era... It was very like all those characters are kind of like torture protagonist or oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, problematic protagonist, right? And they're kind of redemption arc. Really, to me, that's what Final Fantasy has always been. Yeah, the classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's been some veering from that here and there. And I think one of the strong things about Final Fantasy is um, everyone's different, and that's like a really cool thing. Fifteen, I liked. I didn't even get close to finishing it. I had a glitch, and I was in an infinite combat loop. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, like, it was like I couldn't get out of it, I, and, like, I didn't have enough different saves to get out of it, but it was one particular part in the open world, and you, I just kept going back. And, like, guys were dropping from the sky, mm-hmm. and it was like they wouldn't stop. So the combat would never end, and you could never get out of it kind Oof, of thing. Okay. So it was, a, it was a really game-breaking bug, but I feel like you finished it. I finished it, yeah. And... Two-thirds of that game is Final Fantasy, and then the last half is just a train (laughs) that you're just going down a corridor. And it's just such a shift. You can tell, like, it was probably rushed out and needed another year of development, but I'm sure it was in development forever. So it's one of those games. It was interesting. Like, I really, really, really liked the open-world stuff in that game. Um, And then that last third of the game, I finished. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So this this one is interesting because the team that has been really behind a lot of the Final Fantasies is not this team. This is the team that did the MMO, 14. Mm, okay. And basically shipped it all the way complete. Uh, it is very story-driven. The action is very... The combat is very um, RPG meets Devil May Cry, so it's very active. Um, but so far, I've really been enjoying it, and the... A lot of it is just the voice acting is so good. Like, the story, I think, is, again, Game of Thrones meets anime, kind of, uh, in the self-serious kind of world. But I like 
the tone. I like that it feels like a transposition of what the 16-bit Final Fantasies were in terms of kind of being a little bit of a tragedy. Again, a hero that's maybe not the easiest to root for. Um, and that you kind of are paired with different characters and kind of go through these different um, adventures, right? Um, but it's it's been really... And it's also really well made. And I kind of feel like Final Fantasy 15 and 13 had some not so well made issues. Yep. Um, 12 was the last one that I think was just like a crushing home run. Um, but again, these are, these are all strong games. Like if you sat down to play Final Fantasy 15, it's not a disaster. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it, maybe. It doesn't hit that, that super high serenity note. that the other ones do, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, totally worth it, but still so far not even close to Zelda. That's. That's the one. It's on the bucket list. We're going to do that during Christmas, I think. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good, man. So, hey, if anybody would like to talk to you and rank their favorite Final Fantasies, where could they find you? It's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>